Hey, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast from Vital Point Church. My name is Ron. I'm the pastor here at Vital Point. We believe that it's important for people to explore and grow in their faith. And my hope, my prayer is that this message that you're listening to will draw you closer to better understanding how you can live out your faith journey in the everyday life. Sit back and enjoy. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to Vital Point. My name is Ron. I am the lead pastor here at Vital Point Church, and it is an absolute honor that you are here today participating in this talk. Today is week two in our series called Vitality, and uh, we're going to be looking at the very first part of our vision statement as a church, and I will eventually get there. But before I do, I wanted to share some fun things that I did this week connected to the word vitality. Now, I know we all have different senses and feelings about AI and all that stuff, but I took chat GPT and I literally put in this phrase, what is vitality? What does vitality mean as it connects to walking by faith in Jesus Christ? And within seconds, this was what it came up with. Vitality is the connection, is the context, sorry, context of faith in Jesus represents a sense of spiritual liveliness, enthusiasm, and a dynamic connection with the teachings, values, and presence of Jesus in one's life. It often involves a fervent belief in the hope, grace, and eternal life that Jesus offers, which can infuse a person's life with meaning, joy, and resilience in the face of challenges. When I saw that connected with vitality and walking with Jesus, I thought, that's not bad. I can see some of that. And then I thought I'd take it a bit farther and I asked it this, what is vitality as it connects to a faith community called the church walking by faith in Jesus? It came up with eight things. Let me give them to you kind of point blank and you can experience them as well. First one, active engagement. A vital church community actively engages its members in various aspects of church life. Number two, passion for worship. Vitality often translates into a passionate and heartfelt worship experience marked by sincerity, devotion, and a sense of awe. Okay, number three, community growth. Vital communities tend to experience growth both numerically and spiritually. Outreach and service is the next one. A vibrant church community is not inward focused, but is outward focused. Next one, unity. Vitality is often accompanied by a strong sense of genuine care for and support of one another, creating a loving and welcoming atmosphere where everyone feels valued. Well, I think I can align with the bits and pieces of that one as well. Next one, spiritual disciplines, such as prayer and Bible study and serving as a means to growing closer to Jesus. Next one, this is number seven, leadership and vision. Effective leadership and a clear, inspiring vision for uh, are crucial for maintaining vitality. And the last one it gave me, adaptability and innovation. Vital communities are not stagnant, but adaptive and innovative. 
They're willing to embrace change when it aligns with their mission and values, ensuring they remain relevant and responsive to the needs of the members and to the world around them. In essence, vitality in a church community, walking with Jesus is a reflection of the community's collective passion, growth, and commitment to living out their faith. It's a dynamic and vibrant expression of their journey with Christ, drawing others to join in and experience the transformational power of faith in Jesus Christ and the context of a Christian community. I read those eight statements and know what I thought to myself? No one needs me anymore. You just got to put those in. And I thought, no, I, I got, I, I'm so hopefully needed in the context of the church. But as I read that list, I realized it missed one. It probably missed more, but the one that particularly connects to where I want to go today, and it's this. Vital communities are unwavering in their commitment to generosity. As faith communities embrace and cultivate a culture of generosity, they unlock the full potential to accomplish all the good that God has in store for them or for us. See, today, what I want to talk about as it relates to the first part of our vision statement is this idea of generosity. Let me give you the vision statement. To be a multi-site church that reaches thousands, that's what we're going to look at, of people who are exploring and growing in their knowledge of Jesus and commitment to his church. See, when I look at this statement and the first part of it, I recognize that for some of us, maybe we feel a little bit uncomfortable because the thousands is in there and we get a little bit squirmish or squeamish in in putting a number there. But when we went through our retreat process and our prayer time, we recognized that we wanted a number there because It represents a larger picture of what's going on because as we think about the reaching the thousands in the multi-site dynamic is that that is broken down into the smaller gatherings of the larger context. So as we go to small towns, and I'll get into this in a little bit as we talk about this today, what happens is these expressions of Vital Point Church in these small towns range in size but are adding to the larger picture. We see this in the New Testament. We see this in the moments when Peter uh, gave this great talk on who Jesus Christ was and the crowds were listening and 3,000 people were added to the church in one day. I mean, for me as a preacher, I can only dream of one day 3,000 people added in one day, but it's recorded for us. We see it recorded for us in Jesus feeding the multitude, the 5,000. And they tell us that they didn't include women and children at that time, but it could have been up as much as fifteen to 20,000 people that were fed by Jesus as he took the loaves and the bread. I mean, you think back to Vital Point Church Family Day in June. We had just under 600 people on the property in Poplar Hill. Last Sunday, uh, the beginning of this Vitality series, we had around 450 people in total across VPC in gatherings of some, some form, not including the online community. See, this helps us understand the scope of what God is doing. It's important to also understand that this isn't the only metric. Like it's not the, even the best metric because we look at it from a lens of people serving and people sharing the stories of life change and people in, inviting friends to come to church and filling up rows and those who take alpha for the first time and people taking steps into connect groups and going beyond that, getting into leadership development. But it is also the vitality of what it means in reaching the thousands as we see this growing community of generosity. 
See, the grand vision of more sites to reach thousands is fueled by the growing number of people who learn to honor God with their money. Money is often the biggest indicator of a person learning to surrender their heart to Jesus and living in a sacrificial dying to self way. In some ways, you could say money is the great revealer of one's growth in faith. And here's why. Our hearts follow our money. And where our heart lands is what we worship. And what we worship has the greatest control in our lives. The classic section of the Bible in the New Testament that supports these ideas and this truth of generosity comes from Jesus teaching himself. Let me read it for you in Matthew chapter 6. This is from Jesus himself as he speaks about the reality of this in, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, and then verse 24. Do not lay up yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then he says this. It's like a mic drop moment. You cannot serve God and money. Jesus says money or our treasure can be used to grow our earthly kingdoms, which is temporary and fading and vulnerable, or we can lay up treasures in heaven where there is an eternal lasting value. You can build towards the temporary or you can build towards the eternal. The eternal reality of treasure in heaven is the blessing or the reward we receive when we give an account for our lives before God. He'll give, we'll give an account for what we did with what he has given to us. Now, to be clear, this is not about earning our way to God's eternal glory. That is only accomplished by faith in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross and being buried and rose again, the forgiveness and the grace that he offers to us. We cannot be made alive if we are not connected to Jesus. We would be dead in our sins and our trespasses, but because of the reality of what Jesus Christ did for us, we are made alive in him. We must understand that as we continue to build or prioritize towards the kingdom of heaven, the reality of those things become part of who we are. You know, when I hear someone say to me, you only live once, get all that you can. What I believe in that moment is that that person is believing the lie of the enemy because the enemy does not want your heart towards the things of God's kingdom. And so he would prefer to distract you by the accumulation of the things of this earth. Jesus is clear. It's not a suggestion. It's not a good idea. He says, you cannot serve God, both God and money because the money makes a terrible master. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we must understand that what Jesus is referring to here is two realities, earth and heaven, but they're not two separate realities for the follower of Jesus. We live within both realities. Yes, we walk here on this earth in the physical realm, but we must also understand that in Jesus Christ, according to Paul's writings in Ephesians chapter three, that we are seated in the heavenly realm so that we gain and experience some of God's kingdom here. Now, not in full, but in part. And in the same time, sending the eternal treasure ahead for our lives. 
You've often maybe heard it said that you never see a U-Haul attached to the hearse going to the cemetery. But what we can know as followers of Jesus who are prioritizing the kingdom of heaven is that you can send a shipping container ahead with the eternal treasure for when you arrive. As we learn to prioritize or honor God with our money through his storehouse, according to Malachi chapter, in Malachi chapter three, which is the church, we open up the floodgates of the blessings of God's goodness in our lives and it adds fuel to the work that God is doing through his body called the church, all the while storing up for ourselves an eternal treasure beyond this life. So we must ask ourselves, are we building our earthly kingdoms, which are temporary and fading and vulnerable, or are we building towards the heavenly realm, which is everlasting, that will not fade or rust or be stolen from us? This is the tension in our Western culture, isn't it? We live in a system that is saturated with this belief that success and power comes from the things that we have and the value and the worth is found in the things of this world. Have you ever been tempted to say, I need to find my forever home and it has to look good from the curb? Or have you ever found yourself thinking, if I just had a a better job that it earned more money than I can go on trips and I could post it on Instagram to make it look like I'm living the life, the dream, the best life I could. Or maybe it's the, I gotta have that secondary education and get that degree because I find my significance in the, in the degrees that I have. Or what about instant gratification? You're having a bad day. So what do you do? You go buy something. You scroll through Amazon. Think about when you were a kid or maybe your own children right now. They're having a bad day at school. What you might be tempted to do, and some of us might do this. You go, let's go to the store and buy a toy. That will make you feel better. Your friends are treating you bad. Someone left you out of the birthday party. We'll tell you what, we'll go to McDonald's on our own. What we're doing is we're programming our children to believe that you can fix things with having things. And we carry that into our adult lives and it continues to trend on repeat. For Christians, this is the tug and the pull of knowing what Jesus said and resisting the tug of the world, telling us that we only live once. Jesus made it so clear. You can gain the whole world and you can lose your soul. Prioritizing the world prioritizing the world will have no eternal value because as much as you consume the things of this world at the end, it will consume you. We prioritize the world and we miss the eternal blessings, but flip that around. If we prioritize the things of God's kingdom with an eternal mindset, it puts the things in this world in their right place, which I believe would give us more enjoyment from the things of this world when we prioritize the next. What it comes down to, though, as we think about the first part of our statement of reaching thousands connected to the generosity, is it comes down to a kingdom principle that God gives us. It's the principle of sowing and reaping. It's the principle of sowing and reaping. Paul wrote this actually in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. This guy in the Apostle Paul wrote these letters, which we've talked about many, many times. If you're maybe new to church, you're not familiar with who he is, but he wrote these letters. And he wrote this to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It was read for us. I want to read it again. 
The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctant or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That literally means one who laughs hysterically when they give. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work." See, God's kingdom is a sowing and reaping system. And and Paul's clear. You can sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. You can sow generously and the harvest of the the reaping of, of the generosity of the bountiful is bountiful reaping of the things that we sow. As I was looking at this, and contemplating this, two things came to my mind as I was thinking about this connected to our vision of reaching thousands of people. When we refuse to sow generously, we limit the abounding work of grace in our lives, which is the active work of God through Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. It's as if we take the garden hose and we put a kink in it, which restricts the flow of God's grace. You know, sometimes I hear people say to me, I can't afford to give, or I, I can't tithe. And the tithe is just a, a fancy word of giving back to God a tenth of what he's given to us, which he owns the tenth, and it's our responsibility to give it back to him. And sometimes I hear people that say, I can't give or won't give. We must understand that we're restricting God's ability to have more of his presence and working in our lives. He says it, all sufficiency in all things at all times means that flows in our sowing generously. If we say, I won't give, or I believe I can't give, we're essentially saying to God, I don't trust you with the things that I have. Paul wants them to know the abounding work of God's provision as they decide in their hearts to cheerfully give and be generous. The the second thing that I see here is this. When we are generous, we add fuel to the every good work assigned to do. He says that right at the very last part of that, that you may abound in every good work assigned to you. When we're abounding in God's grace, when his grace is poured into our lives, we begin to realize more fully the good works that he has for us, but not just some of them, every one of them. And it means this, these works are the things that we do in partnership with God and God's kingdom work in this world. Some have referred to it as the new creation life in Christ, partnering with him in what he's doing in this world. So think about our mission statement and our kingdom assignment that we talked about last week, to reach people and walk with them as they become fully devoted followers of Jesus, or I added in developing followers of Jesus. And the kingdom assignment is to plant vibrant Vital Point Church sites in small towns. Our ability as a church to fulfill the good work that Jesus has assigned to us will flourish as we grow in our generosity. When we look at the assignment that we are given by God for the uniqueness of what it is for us as a church, it takes resources to meet the assignment. And what is so incredible is that God chooses to provide through his people. We see this over and over again in the Bible. We see it in the Old Testament. 
where Moses is getting ready to build the portable tent system called the tabernacle that God's presence would dwell in. It was a connector point between heaven and earth, the tabernacle. And we see that people gave so generously. Moses had to go before the people and say, stop giving, you're giving too much. And then we see it in the permanent temple that was ultimately built. And then we also see it through the body of Christ in the church. I mean, you can go to the letter that we looked at last week, Philippians. And at the end, Paul is praising them for their generosity towards the kingdom work. The reason why we have multi-site church that reaches thousands is this. And maybe this will help you understand why generosity is so important. Is the reason we are going town to town and starting more vital point church sites is not to have people look at us and go, look what you guys are doing. Oh my goodness, you guys are doing some great things and people are reaching out to us and cheering us on. Fine, that's whatever. But when I look at this, I realize that when we go to a town where the light of Jesus isn't shining as bright, what we are doing is taking vital point church and living in proximity and being part of a town in proximity to those who have not yet encountered Jesus. This is what Jesus did. Jesus, when he walked on this earth, as we've talked about in the past, has gone from town to town. Matter of fact, in Mark chapter one, he gets up early one morning and he goes and spends time with God the Father and he gets his kingdom assignment that morning. The disciples, they come and say, Jesus, we have a plan for you. Let's go back to town because there's people with more needs. And Jesus says in Mark chapter one, let us go to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. Jesus would go to where the needs were. He would get there. He would plant himself there. He would begin to teach there and reveal the kingdom of heaven there and the wonder and the power and the authority of kingdom of God's kingdom would show up and people would believe. When I think about what Jesus has asked us to do as the body of Christ, as his body, I can't help but think of the thousands of people who will begin to encounter Jesus because we were generously following in faithful obedience because I am convinced to this day that there is a harvest of hearts and souls that God is preparing. And for us as a church, we're learning to be generous in order for this to become a reality for every good work. Some of us were at VPC Family Day back in June. 27 people got in that tank in the water of baptism. 12 families stood before our community and said, we promise to raise our kids in the way of Jesus. For those who are growing in generosity, you had a part in making that happen. Because the truth is this, none of this was happened if it wasn't for the growing group of people at Vital Point Church that are learning to be generous. Very little of this would happen if it wasn't for your generosity. I think back to March when we had our Vision Builder Gala. I think back at March when I cast the vision of a million dollars above and beyond our regular budget towards the vision of Vital Point Church. And people started giving. People started signing up saying, I'll, I'll give $500. Some said, I'll give $100,000. This summer, someone came into the office with an envelope and handed it to me. They'd received a house that wasn't theirs. They sold it and they tithed on the sale of the property. They said, with great joy, we give this to you. Next spring, we launch our fourth site in Forest. 
We can do that because people are cheerfully giving towards the mission. In January, we're launching what is called the Greenhouse Residency Leadership Program designed to train up future leaders of Vital Point Church within our context. They'll get two-year theological training, online theological training with a certificate at the end that can be used for future training in theology. We're giving them leadership training. They'll be employed to work for a few hours within the context of our church, all for the purpose of equipping and training to send to sites in the future that they may work. Even in this moment, I ask you to pray for something. We as a leadership team, our board, we're trying to discern an invitation by a father-son duo in India that are planting churches. They have eight churches right now, eight pastors. They've been begging us for three years to come to do leadership training, educational, theological training, support for them as we move, as we try to help them. We're trying to discern, God, is this of you? I've been holding these guys off for three years and we're wondering, is it possible If you saw the budget video that we sent out a few weeks ago, you probably watched that video with a great sense of awe like I did. As I consider our new budget for this new year is $1.1 million. If you want uh, that link, we're going to put the email right there on the screen for you, info at vitalpointchurch.com. To fulfill every good work assigned to us as a church, it takes kingdom-minded people who are willing to invest towards heaven. None of this would happen if it wasn't for the growing number of people who are giving, who understand the sowing and reaping principle. Now, I hope you hear me on this. Each of us have to decide in our own hearts what we will give towards the mission and vision and assignment. By no means is this guilt or manipulation or pressure. This is something like Paul talks about. It is between you and God. But let me close by sharing my heart. Some of you are like, you've been sharing your heart the whole time, Ron, but let me share my heart. Some of these talks, some people think that these talks of generosity are hard for me to give. And full truth, they used to be, but not anymore. And here's why. The mission and vision and assignment is so clear that I feel confident standing in front of you today saying that what you give goes to the vision, mission, and kingdom assignment. But even more, I know that when I give these talks, it's the best thing that I can do to help teach about a growing heart towards God's kingdom because it's the one area that many of us have For many of us, it's the last thing that we surrender to Jesus. It is our resources. There are many things that are bidding for your heart. And what we give our heart to, we worship. And what we worship has the greatest power to shape our lives. So teaching on generosity is one of the best things that I can do for us as a church. It's one of the best things that I can do and your discipleship journey. My boldness comes from a heart and a desire as the pastor, as the lead pastor of Vital Point Church of teaching you what does it mean to be generous towards eternity and what does it mean to fulfill that reality in our lives. To teach these things I know is a risk. If you're new to church, this hits right in your fear, right? You're like, oh man, I knew it. They're after my money. On that, I hope, that you'll keep coming back and that you'll discover that Jesus is actually bidding for your heart more than he is your money. 
If you have your hands clutching your money with a mindset that it is mine, it's, it's mine, I've worked so hard for this, it's mine, and potentially you listen to this talk and you're angry at me, I have literally seen people storm out of services where generosity is preached. On that, I hope, for those of you who are in that posture, that you'll get before God and confess it. Confess it before God. If you're in a financial strain and you're not even able to put milk or food on the table, and I know what that's like. I'll share stories about that some other time. And you're feeling, how can I be part of this? I, I, I can't, I, I'm just trying to scrape by to put food on my table. On that, please hear me say, you are welcome here. You are welcome here. And we'll walk with you as you find your way out of this situation. We'll walk with you. A cheerful giver is one who is generous and will grow out of a heart that is willing to lay down their lives in a sacrificial way. It's growing towards generosity. Jesus gave everything in order for us to be restored and redeemed. And he asks us to surrender every part of who we are. And that includes our treasure. Will you become the growing community? Will you become part of this growing community of people who are generous towards the things of God, adding fuel to the vision, mission, and every good work of the kingdom assignment that God has given to us?